Thank you for joining us to hear today's message. At Faith Assembly, our passion and purpose is loving people to life in Christ. To find out more information, visit our website, faithnewcumberland.com. All right, open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1 this morning. We're in a series studying the first few chapters of Daniel. And um, man, this is this is some great... Uh, powerful truths reading through Daniel. Sometimes we think, well, does the Bible really relate to us today? And is it just old? And man, I, I just don't know. Are things I struggle with are things that they struggle with. Well, then you read Daniel like, hello, you know, uh, uh, not, so, some things just don't change. You know, the Bible, God's word speaks to us in our situation what you're going through, what you're struggling with, the temptations that face you. You open up the Word of God, you read it and say, thank you, Lord, that I'm not the only only person going through this struggle. Sometimes we get lonely. We feel like, man, I'm just the only one. You know, No one else has ever struggled through this. And, and uh, then you read about a prophet of God that thousands of years ago struggled and dealt with the same temptations and deceit that the enemy has trying to set up for us. So we live in a changing culture. As I said last week, this changing culture, if, you know, if you've been alive for a few years, you, you see the changes around you. If you've been alive for longer than that, you really see like, wow, things have changed. How many would say things have really changed rapidly in the last maybe 10, 15 years? Yeah. You know, things that used to take a little time to change is like once one door opened, then another door, and then all of a sudden we're in this like, we're in this spiral. It's almost like a downward spiral, but things are changing. And uh, for me, I think it's it's like waking up in the twilight zone. You know, I love that sh- the reruns. Anyways, the, sh- the old show, the Twilight Zone. You know, and there's a time and space and all this all this goofy stuff. But sometimes you wake up and you feel like, what happened? Where is the the world or the culture, or the the society and and uh, man, the even the church, the schools, what what is happening all around us? And if we're not careful, we can get just sucked into. It. I I picture it like as like a, a current or a stream or a river. And if you're not careful, you know you, you just put your toe in there, and if you just you step in there, you can just get carried right in, along in there and start believing things like that and start behaving like the world. And so we read the book of Daniel. We see uh, a person, uh, a man of God, who had to deal with temptation. He had to deal with coming into new territory like, wait a second, they don't think like I think, and they don't believe like I believe, and they don't act like I act, and they want me to do what they're doing, and what do I do? How do I act? Who do I worship? Who do I believe? Who do I listen to? So, so very practical and relevant to our situation today. Now, what setting us up in just a little review here, uh, the book of Daniel is talking about there's uh, what happens with the, the kingdom of Israel. Remember, there's northern Israel, there's southern Israel. Northern Israel is uh, conquered and defeated by the Assyrians. All right. And then later, you know, uh, the southern kingdom of Israel, they watch that happen like, wow, that's bad, you know. Why did they get conquered? Because they, they sinned. They rebelled against God. They said, eh, your word, God, that's not really important. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to uh, worship idols. I'm going to sacrifice my children. I'm going to do, you know, they did all these evil pagan practices. So the southern kingdom didn't learn the lesson that the northern kingdom. So they did the same exact thing, and they were conquered. Babylon, the great 
empire of Babylon came, conquered them, and actually sent them into exile. And they, and they chose the best, the cream of the crop. And uh, Daniel was one of them, all right? And um, they chose them to train them, to culturize them, to educate them into the ways of Babylon, now, anytime in Scripture you see, you hear or read the word Babylon, that's a bad. That's like a bad thing, right? Babylon is not a good thing. So, if you read Babylon, even Revelation, there's all these references to Babylon because it goes back to this period here. Babylon was a a painful moment for the kingdom, for the people of God. They were in a place they didn't want to be in. They were in a situation they didn't want to be in, but God was teaching them. He was disciplining them for their sinful ways and teaching them, hey, you know what? My way is the best way, and, and don't listen to the enemy. Don't let, listen to the ways of this world. And so Daniel, this great prophet, was a, a, a man of God who God used to really be a great influence in that Babylonian culture. God can use you to be a great influence. You know that? Sometimes we think, well, to be an influence, I have to be like everyone else. Well, Daniel teaches us that's not true. He wasn't like everyone else. He got actually got in trouble because he wasn't like everyone else. And he didn't want to eat like they ate. And he, wanted, he didn't want to pray how they prayed. And he, he didn't want to worship how they worship. Yet he kept getting promoted and promoted for, you know, four different emperors. He was a part of that kingdom. So you don't have to compromise to be an influence. Sometimes your your lack of compromise is an influence. Like, wow, man, the boss says this or, you know, the culture says this and they're doing that. Like, wow, maybe you stand out for God and people will notice that. And and so last week we looked at the idea of, of the culture is trying to rename us. All right. Uh, so let's see here if we could pick up. I skipped through some of my notes. Uh, Daniel chapter 1, it says the chief official, he gave new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. And what we did was last week we looked at the names, what they used to mean, and what the new meanings were. Just real quickly, Daniel meant God is my judge. Belteshazzar means lady, protect the king. All right, they totally feminized his name and made it not worshiping Yahweh, but worshiping the the gods of Babylon. Hananiah, his name was Yahweh has been gracious. They changed his name to Shadrach, which means I am fearful of God. There's a culture that wants to say, you know what? God isn't a God of love, and he's he's someone to be feared. You don't want to, you you know, you just come chase after us. Mishael, who can compare to my God? No one. I love that name. Who can compare to my God? No one. Here's his new name, Meshach. I am despised, contemptible, and humiliated. All right, this kind of self-consciousness and defeat. and oh, I just, just, oh. That's the culture. You know, how about you walk in defeat? No. God says, who can compare to my God? No one. Azariah, Yahweh has helped was his name. Yahweh has helped me. Abednego means the servant of Nebo. And we talked about some of those uh, ideas last week. A servant of a Babylonian God, a pagan God. No longer a servant of Yahweh, but a servant of Babylon. So the culture is trying to rename us, all right? Trying to, whether that is according to your gender or your sexual identity or things that the culture says, well, you could just change things and you could just believe like us and 
No, we need to believe what God has for us and God, who God's called us to be, who God has created to be. All right, God didn't make a mistake when he created you, whether you're a man or a woman or whether you're a man that likes women or you're a woman that likes men. God, that's not a mistake. God designed that. God created that. Don't let God or don't let the culture try to rename you. And then today is don't let the culture try to tame you. All right. The culture wants to take take us and uh, kind of tame us, sens- desensitize us to be who they are. All right. Let's pick up in Daniel chapter one, verse three. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family. It says this, he was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians, as we had said. The king assigned them a daily amount of food, all right? He assigned them to the cafeteria, but it was the cafeteria of the king. The food and wine from the king's, hold on, let me, from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Verse 8, but Daniel resolved. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, but Daniel resolved. This is the this is the the verse that we want to remember today. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself. He was an influence because he chose to go against what culture said was the right way. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Jesus, help us today. Help us just to to hear your word, Lord. Help us to to read your word. Help us to understand it. And Lord, most of all, help us to walk it out, to obey it, to apply your word. It's not enough just to hear it. It's not just enough to say, I went to church and I heard the word preached. It's, It's when we actually put it into practice, when we walk it out. So Lord, help us. Give us the courage to walk out the truth of your scripture today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Scripture today might step on some toes today. Let me just say that. All right. And that's a good thing. That's what Scripture is designed for. We say, well, no, we'll look at that today. All right. Don't bow down to the culture when they try to tame you. Daniel says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself. Go ahead and enter your name there. But Daniel, but Josh, but but Lisa, but Krista, but Nate, but Bev, but Ivy, to, to resolve themselves not to defile themselves. I want you to personalize the scripture today, not just say, oh, that was a nice story about Daniel, you know, so, so long ago. But no, this is a story for you. This is a lesson for each of us that we live in a culture today that's kind of like Babylon. All right, there's a culture that we live in that I'd say it's post-Christian. It's beyond where we used to be, beyond the roots of what our country and society used to be. And so we live in this Babylonian-type culture where, they, where the ways of this world and the ways of this system is not what we believe, is not our convictions. And so will we have that same attitude, not of self-righteousness, but of, you know, I know who I'm to obey. I know, I know who I'm to listen to. And Daniel resolved not to devile himself. Popular culture will always try to tame you into compromise and compliance. Things are changing. They'll always try to get you to change. So we must determine what our core convictions are according to the Bible, all right? 
So that's what we're going to look at this morning, deciding and discovering what what do we believe? What are some things that we know to be true? Daniel resolved not to defile himself. Here's uh, action step number one. Determine your core convictions according to the Bible. And here's the, the important part. Before you face the weight of social pressure from those around you. Determine your core convictions according to the Bible before you face the weight of social pressure. If you wait till after, it's going to be too late. It's going to be like, well, I'll just adjust my thinking. or I'll just No, we need to decide right now. What, what do we believe? What is true? What is true? What, what, do, what does, do I believe the Bible is true? Do I believe God is true? Do I want to serve him wholeheartedly? And we need to decide those things today. Start today. It's always easier to resist the winds of change if your roots run deep in God's truth. May our roots run deep in God's truth. What does God say? The psalmist says this in Psalm 119. He says, my heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. Because I love your commands more than gold, more than pure gold, and because I consider all your precepts right, I hate every wrong path. There's this conviction in our hearts that we want to do what pleases God. If we wait to figure out what we believe and why we believe, then chances are we will compromise. We will comply. I mean, I just, I think of being in high school and the temptations and the questions and, you know, I had to decide what I was going to do. And usually my parents helped me decide, right? That's okay, parents, help your kids figure things out. Don't just leave your, oh, they'll just figure it out. They're so mature and they're, they're 14 years old or they're 13 and they have the mind of a 30 year. No, they don't, you know, they're still developing. They need, they need help to, to process through decisions and to process through, you know, things. So help, help your kids. I'm, I'm, I didn't always like it. Now looking back, I'm, I'm thankful that I had parents that helped me process through decisions. Josh, this is a bad decision. <laughs> Josh, this is a good decision because I just want to do what my friends did, right? Oh, my friends, they don't get to, you know, have a curfew and they don't have to tell their parents where they are. And I was the one that had to call in and, hey, mom and dad, yeah, I'm at so-and-so's house. Yeah, I'll be home in about uh, 45 minutes. You know, I was the one that had to call in. My other friends didn't have to do that, but there was there was part of my parents teaching me, helping me to stay out of trouble, that we need to figure out what do we believe, what are the behaviors, the actions, uh, the attitudes that we're going to have, or else the world will tell us what to believe and what, how to behave and what to think. Daniel and his friends, this is important, they did not develop their God-honoring convictions when they entered Babylon. It wasn't like they were escorted in and like, oh, what are we going to do? What, man, I don't know. What, what am I going to think? You know, and they, they already knew they were God's people. They were, they were Israelites. They were, they were people devoted to Yahweh. And so when they came into Babylon, that was foreign territory. And they said, well, you know what? that you might have captured us, you might have conquered our land, but we will serve God. And you can read the stories that take place there. It's just just powerful. So we can't wait. We must choose today what we are going to believe, how we're going to act, how we are going to behave. The same should be true of us today. We may live in the world, 
but we are not, as the scripture says, of the world. We, we are in the world. We live in this world, but, but we're not of the world. We are sons. We are daughters of God. We are citizens of heaven. In John 17, Jesus is praying before he's about to be um, crucified and resurrected and ascended to heaven. And he's praying for his followers, his disciples, and those who would come after him. And he says this in John 17. He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. Hear that. Jesus, I don't, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. God has called us to be his peculiar people, his holy nation, those who are set apart, those who are devoted unto God. You might feel like, well, I'm different than those around me. Well, that's how it's designed to be. You know, you are consecrated. You are set apart. You know, some of those images of the Old Testament setting things apart in, in parts of the, of the temple, and God set you apart. God's made you holy. He's, he's set you apart to be different from those around you. Again, not in a self-righteous way, like, well, I, I just don't do all that, but to, to, to be devoted and to be committed to the ways of the Lord. John 15, Jesus says this. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. You hear that? If you belong to the world, you it would love you as its own. Think about the heroes of today's culture. It's not Christians, right? It's those who are just believe anything and you can you can do anything and you know uh who's who's one of the princesses of this culture? Oprah, right? Oprah, everyone loves Oprah, right? Because she tells everyone whatever they want to believe and do and they can do, right? She's kind of like Queen Oprah today in our culture. If you're of this world, this world will love you. Jesus says, as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven. It's like we have a spiritual passport we carry around. We're just, we're just passing through, you know? I don't live, I'm not, I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm thankful for where we're from and where we live and the freedoms that we have, but... You know, I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a child of God. I that's my identity, you know. If if this country didn't exist, it would be sad. You know, I'd be like I'd be sad, but that's not my identity, you know. My identity is with the Lord in his in his kingdom. When you know what's in your core, you don't struggle to decide. We live in a culture though that that their religion of the culture is not moral absolutes or absolute truths. They don't believe in that. They believe in what's called a moral relativism. All right, moral relativism. I, I think it's even changing beyond that. It's, it's becoming 
because this is what it used to be, and I'd say this was 10 years ago. Moral relativism is basically you believe what you want to believe, and I'll believe, and then we can just live in harmony. Today it's, it's shifting is you believe how I believe <laughs> or else. Right. All right, It's becoming very militant. If you don't believe what others believe, they're going to they're gonna take you out. They're going to disparage you online. They're going to try to get your ads taken off. They're going to do things against you, right? So I think we're shifting even further away from moral relativism. But here's the data from 2002. Again, this is, this is some old, but even back then, only 35% of Americans believed in moral absolutes, all right? I bet I can almost guarantee if we took those studies today, that number would be even less. It would probably be like 4% believe in moral absolutes. Moral absolutes basically that we, someone believes that there is a right way and there is a wrong way. You know, we live in a society that doesn't agree with that. Barna, George Barna, who's a researcher and does a lot of research, he says, we live in a culture that their worldview is this, whatever, whatever. And again, I think that was maybe 10 years ago, that was whatever. And now it's like, you know, you better get in line and toe the line and believe how I believe or else. I think that's kind of where our culture is shifting into. Uh, Here's a few biblical convictions that we should never compromise. I made a, a little list here. Maybe, Krista, could you? Thank you, sweetie. She'll hand that out. And now we could list so many. And I, I just wanted to put a few down. And uh, again, we could we could cover these. But here's just an example. And, and maybe for you, one of these is going to jump out at you. Maybe, again, this might be stepping on your toes. Maybe you've believed something you thought was true. And then you're like, well, maybe that's not so true. So I want us to look at this for a few moments. And remember that that scripture. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself. Daniel and his friends knew what God said about things, but the king in the, the, the empire of Babylon, they knew what they thought about things. So let's think about our situation today. Let's look at this topic, the topic of God. We believe the scripture says, I am the way, Jesus says, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. All right. Culture says, there are many gods and many paths to God. Choose one, choose which one is right for you. All right, they might not say it exactly that, but that's kind of how it is. You know, there's many gods. You know, who are you to say that Jesus is the only way? Who are you to say that God, you know, what about Buddha? What about Muhammad? What about this? What about that? Worship. The Bible says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Culture would say your first priority is to yourself, your career, your interests, your activities, your family, your whatever it is, your sports. And then I would even add, and then if there's, if there's time left over, there's energy left over, then maybe you can go and do some, you know, worship God or something. But God says, no, love God with everything. It's not just putting God like, well, I love you. In addition to other things that I love, that's idolatry. We know we love God above everything. The Bible, all scripture is God-breathed or inspired by God. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. But the culture says the Bible is just a man-made collection of legends, 
myths and fables. I've had many conversations. Well, you know, it's just it's just a it's an ancient book, and there's errors and mistakes, and you know, it's just a bunch of stories and fables. And um, you know, Thomas Jefferson he created his own New Testament. He basically cut out everything he didn't believe and put in the most essential things he did believe. And that's kind of the culture we have. You know, it's just a collection of things. No, God's word is inspired. It's it's the God-breathed word. It's useful for us today. How about sin? The Bible says all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And what our culture would say, there's no such thing as sin. Sin is an ancient concept designed to keep you from having fun. All right? Oh, that's just old. That's just, that's just ancient things. They're the ones that their marriages are falling apart and their kids are on drugs, and this is happening. Oh, we're just having fun. You know, we're just having a blast here. Sin, all have sin, all fall short of the glory of God. Salvation. For God so loved the world, John three sixteen, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The culture would say, well, find your own path to happiness. Do whatever makes you happy. God makes you happy. That's good. Church makes you happy. That's great. But you know, do whatever makes you happy. Marriage. Jesus, quoting Genesis, says, At the beginning the Creator made them male and female. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate and the culture would say oh you can marry whomever you want love is love and that's there's there's a phrase we hear over and over today love is love is love love is love we'll carry that out to its ultimate conclusion what does that mean i mean there's all kinds of things that can open a door to jesus says god created male and female he created them for the purpose of being together in union sex the body, however, Paul says, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Our culture would say this. If it feels good, do it. If it's not hurting anyone, you know. How about this? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, baby. I'd add, what happens online stays online. You say, well, I've never been to Vegas. and I'm not saying there's anything wrong necessarily with Vegas, but there's a culture that oh, I'm going to do something bad there and no one's going to find out about it. Well, the internet can be the same thing today. Well, I can do things on the internet. No one will ever know. I'll just clear my history. I'll, I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll have all the things. No one will ever know the sites that I've been on. God says those things done with our bodies are done against the Lord. Having sex outside of marriage, whether that's infidelity to your spouse whether that's sex before marriage, you know, whether that's messing around sexually before you're married or outside of marriage, that is outside of God's plan and his will. That is sin. And the last thing, last example, we have a life and children. Just, I think today is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. 
Genesis says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. And I added Psalm 127. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring a reward from him. Our culture would say, well, women have the right to choose whether to allow their unborn baby to live or die. Some even in our culture, not all, but some in the culture will say children are a burden, you know. Get your life right, your career right, and then you can add the burden of children, right? No, children are a blessing. Yeah, there, there's work, and just like marriage, it's work. It can be stressful, but it's a blessing. You know, children are a, a blessing, a reward, God says. They are from him. Again, we could have, I, we could go on and on and have all kinds of examples and scriptures and supporting texts and all that. But just getting an idea that our thinking is way different than the world's thinking, right? You're going to go home and uh, in two weeks is a Super Bowl, if you choose to watch it or not. But there's going to be commercials on there, and maybe you take this with you and see what, what commercials go to which column, right? Uh, this commercials. Uh, uh, if it feels good, do it, man. There's, there's going to be all kinds of commercials on there. And, and just tally them up. How many commercials are screaming at you to think like they think? And how many are, th- are screaming at you to think like God thinks? And I could tell you that's, you probably know the answer already, what that would be. Daniel and his friends were stuck in an environment where people believed way differently they acted way differently they they ate things that they didn't eat and they they had to make a choice but god's way is always the best way god's way is always the best not the easiest way all right you might you might not make as many friends <laughs> you might not be as popular but god's way is always the best way. And the last action step is this. When you face the weight of pressure from those around you, stand for God and trust in him. Stand for God and trust in him. Let's let's look at the rest of the story of Daniel. It wasn't just that Daniel resolved not to defile himself, but what's what happened there? But Daniel resolved not to defile himself in Daniel chapter 1 with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. I love how, you know, he, he didn't demand that. He just, hey, you know, uh, this is what I believe. And would you mind if, you know, if, if you kind of made this for us? And verse 9, now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my, ki- my Lord, the king, who has assigned you food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age. The king would then have my head because of you. Verse 11, Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Mm, That sounds delicious, doesn't it? Mm. How about bring me some pizza, huh? He says, no, bring us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. 
So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. You see that? They influenced the way that the other people were treated. Like, well, maybe the royal food isn't the best thing. Let's give them vegetables, you know. They're on a healthy diet now. They're like, gee, thanks. <laughs> I like my, my food and drink and my wine. Verse 17, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. Look at that. The purpose, why was the king giving them food and why was he training them? He was training them to make them like, you know, he he was going to make it happen. I'm going to teach them. I'm going to educate them. I'm going to make them eat this. But it says that God did something supernatural in their lives, right? Sometimes our world says, you know what, you need to bow to us so that we can make you into our image. And God says, no, bow to me, and I will make you into my image. I will do something supernatural in your life, through your life. God gave knowledge. God gave understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into the service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. None was equal. So they entered the king's service in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them. He found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. You can just see the influence that Daniel had. Don't bow down to the culture when they try to tame you because God's way is always the best way. Who knows what would happen if they would have said, all right, we'll just eat your food and we'll just do what you do. And Daniel might not have been promoted. You know, just he just would have been one of the crowd. But Daniel stood up. He did what was right. He trusted God and God rewarded him. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads. Let's pray today. Jesus, we need you today. Help us, Lord God to resolve in our hearts that we will not defile ourselves. I know there's so many temptations out there today. And maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe you've you've messed up. Maybe there's a sin that you've committed and, and God's just bringing that to your attention. He says, I want you to confess that to me. I want you to turn away from that sin. Maybe it's one of those things from that list that we talked about. Maybe it's a sin that you've done with your body, a, a sexual sin. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's it's um, it's something that you put into your body. You know, that's just not the best thing. And, and God's just bringing that to your mind. Maybe it's something that you've said, something that you believed. And God is just saying, you know what? You need to change your thinking. You need to change your behavior. And that's called repentance. Turning away from that. So God, we we confess our sins to you. We acknowledge that, Lord, we need you. We need your forgiveness. We need the blood of Jesus to cover all of our sins, all of our mistakes, all of our failures. Jesus, we want to live committed, devoted to you. 
that we are sons and daughters of God, citizens of heaven, children of God. So would you do that work in us, Lord, and help us to have that resolve to do what's right, to do the right thing, knowing that your way is always the best way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me and let's sing this song together this morning. to your word, to your truth. We will bow only to you, God. Not the ways of this world, not the voice of this culture. Help us to stand up for you, to stand for righteousness, to do what's right. And we know that you will help us, you will guide us, you will direct us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a wonderful Sunday.